Hi, it's Paul Camillos. Welcome to Series 5 of Shooting the Breeze. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin as we talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. This marks the start of our fourth year of covering women's hoops and women in hoops. And throughout the series, we welcome experts like Lyndon Moore from New Zealand and other special guests from across the world to get a global picture of the game. During this series, we'll take a closer look at the grassroots and the passionate people at the community level. And of course, the 30th edition of the FIBA Women's Asia Cup was recently held in Sydney, where the Opals took bronze and Asia's best players put on a show. Hit that subscribe button, and to show your support, rate and leave us a review on iTunes so we reach more listeners. We've got Kiwi players coming home to play. Mm. We've got international stars that are about to be announced. We've got WNBA drafted players coming to play. I mean, it is an amazing opportunity for Kiwi basketball. Uh, look, I'm just really pleased for our program and for, for the nation that we're actually here at this point. So more than anything else, I think it's a, it's a real celebration for us and something we've worked very hard to get. If we're trying to compete with, like I said, the top 16 teams, we need to have a domestic league just to keep the engagement and this kind of feel of these tournaments alive. So I'm, I'm super excited to be a part of it. Welcome to the first of our three-part series, looking at the Tawihi League with New Zealand expert Lyndon Moore and returning pod guest Maya Williamson, hailing from the Canterbury region. We're talking about the rise of Kiwi women's hoops on the world stage, the second season of the Tawihi League and one of its innovations, the Rapid League. Probably most exciting is the exchange of Aussie and Kiwi players between the Tawihi and the WNBL, raising the level of play and opportunities for athletes. Enjoy. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Today it's a special episode. We're going across the pond to New Zealand. And joining us, Lynn Moore and Maya Williamson. And guys, welcome and over to you. Hi, Maya. Welcome back on the pod. Oh, so happy to be here. Love it. A little bit of a duo, I think, kind of going because, uh, see, whenever I seem to see you at tournaments, I just can't get away. Oh, yeah, um, people can't get enough of me when they see me. <laughs> it's your energy, I think. Um, but anyway, seriously, welcome back on the pod. Uh, I think you're really the first Kiwi guest that we've had on twice. Um, we always love to bring people back. I think this is a really good time. Yeah, with just a lot of great stuff happening. So excited to uh, share this journey with you and have you back on the pod. Absolutely. The Kiwi duo strikes again, eh? <laughs> people will not be able to get enough of us. Oh, I know. And, uh, I think this is going to be, I, I may be foreshadowing a little bit, uh, pardon me if I am, but I think this may not be our only, the only episode like this, so people will get used to it. Well, stay tuned, everyone. <laughs> well, that's true, because we are going to do a series about the Tawihi League, because there's a lot of interesting stuff going on over in New Zealand in, in hoops at the moment. Before we get into the Tawihi League, I want to throw something out that we heard from Guy Malloy during a post-game presser at the Asian Cup. So I'll just talk to you guys about it after it finishes playing. You know, that elevates us to top 16 in the world kind of thing in terms of uh, the next stage tournament. Uh, I think that's really got people genuinely uh, excited. And I know that the the Toehi season begins soon in New Zealand and uh, I'm really hoping that that has a dramatic lift in standard from last year because that's the hard thing to hold on to, the lessons that the players have learned from this Asia Cup, uh, they, they can't let the lessons go and that they're the points that we want to hit home. Okay, so there's a, a bit there from Guy talking about the positioning of the team within Women's Asia Cup and on top of that, the quality of the Tuihi League in terms of helping develop New Zealand basketball and also keep that standard going that was achieved during the Asia Cup. And obviously, there's been a lot of imports this season to the Tuihi League as well. So I'm going to throw it over to you guys now and fill us in on what's been happening over there. Oof, uh, it's been certainly, it's been exciting. I really don't, I'm trying to figure out a more 
descriptive way to describe what's happening here in New Zealand. But I think exciting is probably one of the best ones I come up with at the moment, to be honest. It's like you said, Paul, there's been a lot of imports. And I think in terms of the league standard, what we've seen, what we're seeing this year, I would say that it's a little bit different from what we saw in the inaugural season last year. And that's not different in a bad way. It's just, I think, I mean, obviously the level of play has stepped up. We're seeing more, more tall fronts that have come home. And there's been some shuffling around. And when you mentioned imports, there's been uh, some new ones that uh, I've been really pumped to see. And I know uh, fans have been really excited about. And then some who, um, like Juanchez Chagas, who were, was signed to come back and was an MVP favorite for the Tokamano Queens. Um, but she was given another offer in Italy that was just too hard to turn down. And the Queens on their end said, hey, go get your bad girl. Um, we're always going to be here. And so her presence, someone like her is missing the season. You know, they've certainly found a way to fill the void, you know, add to the quality. So it, it's been, there's been a lot of sparks. Um, what do you make of it, Maya? Yeah, it's been super exciting. And I think it's been an absolute build on last year's like inaugural season, like you said, Lyndon, like it's built women's basketball in New Zealand and it's drawn more attention to it. So I think there's a lot of more attention paid to this season than last season. And then as well, obviously it's put us more on a world stage. So the quality of imports we've been able to get in has been pretty incredible. Like we've seen some really impressive performances from them so far. So yeah, it's been super exciting and like just the traction that it's built so far already and the basketball that's been played. It's been a really even competition so far, which is super hopeful for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, on that point, when you say, it's really interesting when you say it's been more of an even season so far, and now for the listeners, we're only two rounds in, uh, going into round three. But it definitely has been, I feel like, hey, because last year really – the top of the table for the majority of the season and up until the grand final was the Queens and the Norman Kaku. So this year, I feel like everybody came back with the roster. And when you look, if you take paper to paper from what we saw last year to this year, you know, there's definitely been some shuffling, but you know, some teams have made some drastic changes The Fi And I think the Hoi Ho are the two that stand out for me. And I'm sure we can get into that, but otherwise some of the teams brought back a lot of their core this year and I think and back to you know Paul when you played that clip from Guy when he says talking about maintaining that standard you know a lot of those tall friends that we saw in the Asia Cup team are in Toehi this year which is fantastic uh, because and a lot of them are actually on the Northern Kahu and so you know they've played together before uh, yeah Coach Jody Cameron jumping in there uh, taking some of those tall friends and being able to you know they're working together and they've got some building to do but you know, working to keep that standard high. So it's, you know, definitely good signs. Can I just ask for clarification? Uh, there's more New Zealand players playing in New Zealand in this season of the Tuihi League than there were last season? I would say so. I, I mean, that's my perception. Um, Maya, what, what's your sense? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of the tall ferns are, have come home to play. I think also besides in tall ferns are a big talking point, so... I mean, welcome home, Panetta Davidson. I've been saying that left, right, and front and center, but she's finally back. You know, Talia Tupai, who we all saw debut this year at the Asia Cup, New Zealander, she's here. But also the ones who I think that have really stuck out for me in terms of the ones who are home and who are really been performing are McKenna Dale for the Phi and Tegan Graham for the Queens. Um, and they, they're both home after uh, college seasons. So, and McKenna, I'm not sure if she's... I'm not sure when last time she was in New Zealand, but she grew up in the United States. So uh, to have her home. So it's been a lot of faces that maybe people would have heard about overseas, um, but finally being able to play in front of the home crowd. This is the two have been so far that we've seen the most of it for sure. Um, and it's saying too, Maya, because like with the Pollock guy going down to your neck of the woods, there's been a bunch of, there, there's a real local flavor, eh? Yeah, definitely. Like lots of Kiwi girls who kind of been born and raised there or girls who have moved from the country. So Ezra McGoldrick's finally back home. Um, she obviously had a few seasons with various teams last season with the FI. Um, Rosie Samia also played for the FI last year, as well as Sean Rabati. So we've got three ex-FI players playing for our Poakai squad. And then obviously we've got Lauren Hippolyte and then Olivia O'Neill, who played for the Hoiho last year. Um, and various other extended roster slash development players, all that are Christchurch-based. So it's pretty cool to see like a lot of talent come from where we are from. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, same too. Because if, if people have seen my Instagram, uh, it's very St. Andrews College based. You'll see a lot of same faces. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wild. I'm talking about. Uh, but Katarzyna Williams and Maddie Morrow being two of the alumni from there who have, uh, well, they're home from their college season at the Academy of Art University in San Francisco, I believe. Yeah. They're playing. And then along with Lauren Whitaker and then Kavana Lenny, who are current year 13s at St. Andrews. So, um, like you said, Maya, there's just been a surge in development. I feel like we've seen that around the country too, but the Poakai definitely have a local feel. In terms of the coach and the coaching staff too, they've got, I would say probably out of all of them, they're probably the most locally sourced, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Like Josh Thompson, the head coach, um, and then Cam Wilson and Sam Watkins, all Christchurch based and born and raised, I believe. So uh, it's pretty cool to see that they've been able to keep here and give back and they've kind of been building their way through Canterbury basketball and then obviously have worked hard enough to get themselves in that position. So it's a real cool feel of like a overtime build that everyone's kind of worked toward this point and it's it shows how much their hard work has kind of paid off. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really cool to see, uh, same because last year it being another notable shift. It's a loss for New Zealand. Great for uh, great for herself as uh, Tully Bevilacqua, who was the coach of uh, the Poakai last year. I know Australian basketball fans will be familiar with her, following her closely. But uh, she's now the Phoenix Mercury, so hard to be mad about that, <laughs> even though we miss you, Tully. But also great news for Josh and co. for, like you said, Maya stepping up and getting that opportunity. Can I just ask, there seems to have been a lot more imports that have come in to the league this season compared to last season. Would I be right in saying that? I believe it's the same number. I think every team is allowed three, I believe. Um, I don't think that's changed, but I think maybe in terms of I think the quality possibly may seem like a shift has happened. That's my understanding, at least. Yeah, I think last year the number has been three this year and last year, but I'd agree that the, the quality has probably improved based on the success of last year's season, most likely. But the one I do want to have you remiss if I didn't say is um, Kennedy Leonard, all the way oh. from Great Britain, down to Christchurch. <laughs> what a pickup. Absolute pocket rocket. That's the best way to describe Kennedy. From the car park. I mean, she can launch those triples. Uh, and if you're not darting her, then it's going to be um, it's going to be tough and you're going to pay for it later. Yeah, she's crazy good. Yeah, she's a problem. She's a problem. Yeah, so I say that's been good. And I think also when looking back at the Queens, when you say, you know, Stephanie Watts, Chris Carr, who has just been an absolute rocket <laughs> for the Queens in the two games that they've played, Maya Dodson. And also, I, I mean, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention on the import level of the Southern Hoiho, uh, Ashley Pretzel. Uh, I don't know if you'd want to see her at all, but she has been an absolute beast. Yeah, I mean, she got performance of the week in round one. 25 points, 21 rebounds, like she was, yeah, she was absolutely phenomenal and put on an absolute clinic. And then obviously in round two, she was just as consistent as that. So, and it's cool to see Hoiho, obviously, who finished bottom of the ladder last year to now be undefeated and top of the ladder so far in the season, only after two rounds, of course, but it's cool to see what a turnaround they've had. Obviously had a real success with the import because you never know really how imports are going to go. It's pretty like touch and go sometimes you expect one thing and they come and they show a whole different thing but yeah it's pretty cool that she's been pretty dominant and I think all the imports have really lived up to their hype this far yeah 100 percent and uh say living up to the hype really exciting news because the Kahu will have a uh, Tess Magden coming in so that's something that for fans to look forward to uh so an Australian Opal coming over and uh, so I think I mean she's just I can only imagine what she's going to add and having seen her play and her leadership styling mean, to have her in the mix and just in the league, I think is going to better it in general. I mean, the five have some uh, interesting imports as well. I mean, I feel like everybody across the board has brought in really quality players to try and complement the styles of play that, you know, that they're aiming for. Yeah, absolutely. So have, have they been from the U S have they've been typically coming out of college during college break or are they people who tried for WNBA or what sort of players are, are we seeing in the league coming from the States? Yeah, there's been a lot of WNBA draft picks. I believe there's either eight or nine. I don't know what the final number was that were drafted. So Stephanie Watts, probably yeah. no name to uh, Sydney Flames fan, because she was there for a little bit in WNBA played with Shiloh Hill. Yep. So she was one, Maya Dodson. Um, so there's been some really good, I think, Chris Lincar, I think there may have been a stint in there too for her. And then Maya Wilson from the Fire as well was a first-round pick. Yeah. Oh, 
Alia Wilson. I apologies, Alia. Did I give her due? So she was, yeah. And then Ashton Preptel was selected in the last round of this year's draft to Connecticut. She did get a game or two in, uh, which was really cool. And so she, uh, I guess then she signed down here after that. So all of them pretty much have WNBA experience. I'll just jump in there. I think a few of them as well have had pro ball experience elsewhere too. So a lot of them, if not drafted into WNBA, have played some kind of like Euro League or Australian League. So a lot of the imports that we've had have had some kind of professional experience. I think I only noted a couple that have come straight from college. Yeah, and it's also too that Michaela Cowlin, she's been all over the world. Um, and she's playing for the Fire right now. She was at Cal Berkeley. Um, and then she's been playing you know, in Europe and some other places ever since. So she's done a variety of experiences I know she's bringing here. Uh, I haven't seen much of her yet, but it's going to be uh, – I feel like she's going to be a firecracker. Yeah, and I think that brings a certain level of like professionalism and like skilled to the league as well. Like they've obviously seen what professional leagues look like and operate like in different countries, and they kind of bring that quality here, which I think boosts our quality as well. And obviously, we can learn a lot from those who have seen um, how successful professional leagues operate overseas. Yeah, and say so mentioned uh, Imari Thomas too, who plays for the Kahu. She played actually with Tara in Finland. Um, apparently, so she came on recommendation from Tara over there in the, the season that just passed before they came down here. And, uh, you know, she was a workhorse against the Queens uh, this past weekend on Sunday. So, and that what they called the grand final rematch. Uh, <laughs> it was just, you know, on fire. So it's, yeah, I think it, it's been great, honestly. It's been, it's been really fun. And the games have been interesting no matter what. But having that injected spark has been, I mean, I mean you never know what's coming. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I think, too, to talk about with me, if we're going to transition, the imports have been amazing. I want to make sure we talk about the locals, too, because they've been great. Yeah, and that's actually something else that I think a lot of people outside of New Zealand, because you know New Zealand hasn't had a high international profile over the last few years, we don't really have a real understanding of the New Zealand talent, except for, you know, specific names that we hear about like lauren hippolyte like the walker legend sisters panina davidson you know it's kind of you hear those names and then you don't hear a whole lot after that about what must be you know a fairly talented group of players yeah it's deep and there's i think if this shows anything that you know what we've seen especially in pressures that they're and i think every team this year is trying to really utilize the development player spots to develop the younger ones um so you'll see a lot of the high schoolers coming through and i'm going to point out you know Victoria tamilo um obviously up here in auckland but she's you know people aren't necessarily seeing her but she's had one wicked month of june where she was playing on prems friday nights and then got thrown to the toll firms for two tours and now she's you know that's time with, with the kahu and so she's been everywhere but there's been you're right paul i think people will have heard you know panina's name crystal's name those who have been in the WNBL. But, you know, Laura, I think Lauren Maya is one of them that has put people on notice. Yeah, I think every team has a really strong local supporting cast that goes alongside their imports. Obviously, the imports generate a lot of team quality and scoring because that's what they're bought in to do. But, like, a lot of the leadership comes from the local girls. Like, Lauren Hippolyte is probably our strongest leader in the Puakai um, just because of her experience and, like, the feel that she has for the game and just the person she is. Um, and obviously I don't have that personal experience with the other Toihi teams, but everyone has like a strong local base that I think they are good enough players to go and play in the NBL one overseas or even get a DP contract in WNBL or go anywhere else in the world. Like that kind of level has definitely improved. And that's even just beyond the Tulfurin squad as well. Like the Tulfurin squad that went to the Asia Cup, obviously super talented, but there are still local girls here who are talented themselves as well. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and thinking along the lines of uh, Zoe Richards, who was also on the pod um, a couple of months ago, yeah. she's stepping up her game and also, cool to say, her sister, Bertani, she's playing this year. Um, I think the Hoiho, what's interesting about that is uh, Samara Gallagher. They had a poor group. I think they've done a nice job so far taking the players that they had last year, even though it wasn't necessarily the result that they wanted. Though the girls were playing last year and they had a core group and then they, they weaved in some other imports and it seems like it's meshing really well. And to your point, Maya, like, there's been a strong cast of Kiwi talent that just complements what the imports bring. 
And I think it's really, it's been singing in harmony for the league and for New Zealand so far. Okay. So one of the things that I've been really been curious about is the new innovation for this season, the rapid league. Now this is something that unless you've been watching the games, nobody knows anything about. I'd love to hear from you guys how it works and also what you think and what's the feedback been from the fans? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I'm ready to jump at Maya. Do you have any, do you want to go first? It's the first of its kind ever, um, which is really cool that we get to debut that in New Zealand. So basically it's a, it's a mini game. So it's four quarters of four minutes prior to the actual Toehi game. And you start five players that will not start in the Toehi game. So basically its goal is to develop those who aren't going to play as many minutes in the Toehi game. So that could be your development players or your um, lower bench players who don't get to play as many minutes. And it's really cool. Like It's got its own MVP. It counts for points on the ladder. So it's like its whole own little league but also contributes to the Toei League as well. So we've seen a lot of – it's a really different style of basketball as well. It's super fast, like super hectic. Like kind of looks like a scrimmage sometimes. Um, <laughs> but it's it's super cool because, like, especially those players who travel as deep bench for a Toei game, they may never see minutes. And sometimes for them that feels like I've just traveled all this way, taken my time out, and I've just sat on the bench the whole time. But for them it's more rewarding because they've played, like, 12 to 16 minutes of basketball and they may not even get on the court in the Toei game. But – they see minutes in the Rapid League and there's that development for that as well. So it's really, really cool. And, like, it's obviously had a lot of success so far and everyone's been loving it that I've heard of so far. I don't know about you, Lyndon, what you've seen or heard of it. It's cool. Um, I Honestly, I didn't really know what to expect. I read about it when, I, when uh, you know, it was first released and everything. I think it's definitely – it's a cool innovation. And like you said, Maya, you know, it's it provides a lot of value for the players who – you know, travel around the country with the team, but don't necessarily get to play many or any minutes. So I found a couple of things interesting is because like you said, it, it's its own little league. So it counts for points on the ladder <laughs> to that point. It's been really cool to see teams experiment, but then also what I saw with the Queens on the first night was, you know, Grace Hunter, Latava Kenny, some of the ones who were playing <laughs> in the rapid league, they ended up playing the Toehi game too. So sometimes they end up getting more core time than they probably envisioned, um, depending on the situation. So it's you know early days, but it's been really cool. And um, you know, I think I think the players are uh, you know I think it didn't take some getting used to, but yeah. it's definitely cool to see. And I think the fans, you know, you get there an hour earlier, and I think I definitely think it's worth getting there earlier to see. Yeah, and it's it's cool because like you said, like we can experiment. So that Pauai game because we're still waiting on two imports. And then we were still waiting then on two or three of our other core group. So, like, the likelihood of us winning that Tohi game was, you know, touch and go. So we started two of our, like, strong core in the Puakai and the Rapid League. And then in the Tohi game, started two of the DPs and just subbed them off straight away. Like, 20 seconds of game time and they got a sub. Because um, that's technically legal, you know. But... Like, obviously, since it's a pilot season, like, you can kind of experiment with things like that. And they won that Rapid League game, so they got a point on the board. Didn't win the Toehi game, but they got a point that night. So that kind of thing, you know, it's fun to experiment with those kind of things. And additionally, like, it's a really cool opportunity for assistant coaches to lead that Rapid League. Uh, There's not a whole lot of coaching because there's no timeouts allowed. But what I've seen of a lot of teams so far with the Rapid League, the head coach has taken a backseat and the assistant, one of the assistant coaches has been the head coach of that rapid league, so it's kind of like a it's a development for more than just the players. Hang, hang on, no timeouts. Yeah, only player you can the players can call a player timeout yes. one each half, yes. so that can be like in play, um, like the NBA do. But yeah, no coach timeouts at all because the quarters <laughs> just go <laughs> like it's four such four a minute quarters. It's like it really is the rapid it's, league. It's rapid. Well, someone apparently called it the rapid fire, and someone was telling me, "They just call it the rapid fire." I was like, "Oh, that would be fair enough." You blink and it's over. Well, seriously, because if you're not watching, it's literally blink and you'll miss it. Like you said, my besides the player timeouts, there's not a lot of stoppage time. No. So it is the quickest basketball game I've ever seen in my life. Great fitness. Great fitness. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so one player timeout per half. Yeah. That's it. Each team. Each team. Yeah. Yeah. Four four minute quarters. Yeah. You can't play the starting five. No. Okay, so here's the big question that comes to me, and I'm sure anybody else who's just hearing about this, what happens 
like in terms of trying to manage, you know, manage the legs for six through eight, maybe. I did forget to mention this as well. You're allowed to have seven players. So obviously it becomes a little bit more niggly when you travel. Yeah. Um, so if you take 10 or 11, you just got to have some fit girls in there. <laughs> Um, but like at home, you may have a roster of 12, so you can play kind of like the deepest of the deep. And then hopefully you've just got some really fit girls from six to nine ish. Um, but I think that has definitely obviously been a concern that there will be some kind of fatigue setting in. I think that's been a challenge for the coaches is learning to manage that kind of thing. But I think like the reality is in close games, like your starters and your six and seven play quite a hefty load of minutes and then you've got your supporting crew that play 10, 12 minutes. So it can be a big night for some girls. But I think so far, I think it's been managed pretty well. I don't know what you've seen, Lyndon. Yeah, I think it's, like you said, it's been a lot of experimentation. And I think where we're going to see the tire lace is going to be toward the end of the season. Again, we're only two rounds in. It's It's been an adventure. And I think because, like you said, you know, there are going to be teams who are going to do whatever they can to, you know, to get that point. Yeah, it's definitely, and you can tell like some of them are still adjusting to style of play a little bit because uh, it's, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be on it, but it's been great to see, and they also have their own captains too, um, and so it's cool to see everything just kind of, just working on it, kind of gelling, but man, I get tired just like just watching it. <laughs> yeah, seriously, sitting on my couch, I'm like, whew. <laughs> no, well, I was. <laughs> Last week I was in person. I was just looking at someone said, "Are you okay?" I said, "I'm sorry. I'm just left. I need a break. I need my water." Um, no, but it's been it's been great, and I think not necessarily concerned, but going forward, is if there are injuries or whatever, and how is that get, the load management going to go? You know, as we pressed into the second half of the season and the finals. Well, talking about second half, the first thing that came up for me as you were talking this through was. When we start getting down to the pointy end of the season, how is this going to play out? I mean, you know, it's all speculation at the moment, but I'm really curious how this is going to play out. And also, and I don't know if you guys have an answer to this, when you get into the final series, is there going to be a Rapid League game before the final series? I think so, yeah. I think it's because it's... I think it's got it's it's like it's pretty much a reflection of the Toihi, but like just minimised in its own league. So yeah. I think it does have its own winner and MVP and everything. So obviously, like it's hard to know like really how that's going to fan out. At the moment, it's all going great, but it's been two rounds, so the crystal ball has a big question mark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm personally interested to see how it's going to play out because I mean, I would think, and I look at teams now, keeping in mind that. Most teams, other than the Kahu, you know, injuries haven't been an issue yet. When I say the Kahu and the injuries, because Talia Tupaya, where the shoulder has been a bit of a concern. And so it's, you know, Jody and crew have had to get creative with who they're starting. So, you know, Sunday we saw Eliana Tuteti, apologize if I mispronounced that, but it's, you know, she was starting when she would normally, I think, normally be in the Rapid League. So, they have to kind of play around until, and they have a more roster spot to fill. So until they fill that, you know, it's how's that going to, how's that going to go? And, you know, who's going to be playing and when? So it, it's going to be, I honestly have no idea. It's, just, it's a big vortex as far as I'm concerned. I think that's like, close my eyes. <laughs> I think that's a beauty of experiment though. Like it's cool that they get to kind of play around with it and see how it goes. Like if it's not a success, it's not a success, but I think it's kind of a cool innovation to at least give it a crack and then maybe you can make some adjustments for next season. But you never know what's going to happen and it'll be interesting to see how these guys hold up because they're fit, but who knows if they're that fit. <laughs> it's going to be really cool. I mean, I, I love it. I think it's a great concept and I love the fact that we're seeing, you know, the woman that we normally wouldn't get to see. So I think, like, the overall idea of having them play and giving them their own league is just, you know, just cool. You touched on something that I, I wanted to ask about. Talia Tupaya. Yep. Right? We saw her at, at the Asia Cup. Typically, yeah, she was wearing bandages on the shoulder. How is she going? Haven't gotten a straight answer. Don, I just want people to know this is based on what I saw and one of the few couple of conversations I've had around the camp. It's um, it's going to be tough. She had her, I think her shoulder popped out a couple times and it broke my heart 
because you could see her face and you could see everybody else's face and it was not the happy kind. So I think the load management for her is going to be key. I think it's going to be a little bit tougher position. The thing is right now where the state of the union, so to speak, right now with the team is the reigning MVP. She is back. When she's healthy, when her shoulder isn't hurting, mm. she's draining triples and she's doing Talia things that we know her to do and that we love. And um, it's just how long are we going to get that? And the thing is, is Panina, you know, she's playing 30 to 40 minutes a game like we saw in the Asia Cup and her, you know, She's fit, but I'm not sure she can hold up that long. So it's going to be tough for them to manage. But I, as far as I know, you know, Talia's still going to be playing. I think they're just having to work out right now where that's going to be in, and they're going to watch her extremely carefully. Now, where does that place throughout the season? Does she play some games? Do they save her anticipation for the second half? I don't know. From what I understand, it looks like she's still training. So, you know, she's definitely not shut down, but it's um, – I think there are signs that, you know, it may not be what we saw last season from her, um, and which is unfortunate, but you, know, you never know. It could get better. So th- has anybody sort of raised any anything about her potentially having to have surgery? Um, I don't want to confirm anything, but I've heard around that it's, um, I won't say surgery is not, not an option, but I think it's finding the right time to do that. So, but it sounds like, it's definitely on the table, from what I've heard. But when and how long the recovery time is going to be, I don't know. Well, obviously, we will, you know want to see her on the floor. We want to see her playing. Well, I think you're, yeah, everybody does. And she was a favorite, too. And I know she was a key piece that the tracker wanted to bring back. And from my understanding, she enjoys playing. The girls love having her. Mm. The team loves having her around. And, you know, she's only made it better. And she's someone who, at least in my opinion, just raised the standard from what we saw last year and you know, just somebody with that kind of talent. You know, you don't, you never want to see anybody go down. But this early in the season is kind of a blow. Okay, so I'm going to throw out another question, which I'm sure you know people in Australia may want to hear an answer to, and that is, do you think that Tawihi may, with Tess Magin, you know, coming over, do you think that the Tawihi League may end up seeing more WNBL players coming over to play in the league? And also use it as a way to kind of get match fit for the WNBL season? Maya, I'll let you do it first if you want to. I mean, possibly, yeah. Like, I mean, there's also the associations have to, obviously, allow that to happen too. But we've seen it a little bit in the NBL season. Obviously, don't want to talk too much about the boys, but, <laughs> like, <laughs> they, <laughs> I mean. We're mentioning the Canterbury Rams won the title, though. Yeah, good job, boys. Good job. <laughs> um, I think we've like we see a few WBL imports who do come here and use this as kind of like an off season thing, get better, and then hopefully find another contract back there. But I think the Aussie imports will come here and provide a lot, but they'll compete. I don't think they'll completely dominate and walk all over everyone. Mm. Like I think they'll be influential, but not to the point where it's just like a off-season scrim before they come back to the WNBL, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm with Maya. I think it's, I, I hope it opens the door and because the NBL won, you know, there have been players like Panetta who's finishing up her season and came over, you know, Zoe's played in the NBL one. So there's been precedent of players, you know, who have come over and vice versa. It's, you know, it's a great win that now I think with the competition increasing um, and the level and the standards going on, I would certainly foresee in the future this would probably be a landing spot that people would want to seek out because it's close. New Zealand's a great place to be for many reasons. And, you know, again, the quality is up there. And, and, you know, I would imagine that most of them just thinking very high macro level that would come over would be Toei players and not necessarily maybe not, maybe or may not play Rapid League. But, mm. you know, there's that option too. So, you know, I would, lo- I would love to see tests at the kind of set the precedent for more WNBL player in Talia, you know, to come over. Yeah, it's just because of the timing of the start and the finish of the Toehi League, it's a great opportunity for, for WNBL players to be able to, particularly, you know, to play in the Premier League in New Zealand. And to me, I think it's not necessarily going to be a big performance difference, like you said, Maya. I think it's more about, you know, that match fitness that comes at playing at, at that Premier League level. It's just one of those things that I'm really curious to see how that develops over the next few seasons. Yeah, I mean, if we can – sorry, Lyndon, to go for it. Right you. Um, if we can, as New Zealand and Australians, like help each other in that sense, like 
like Australian imports come over and strengthen our league and develop the girls around them and then they develop a lot themselves in terms of fitness or skill development and then go back to Australia and bring that back. Like I think it's cool that we could work with each other rather than have to kind of compete. Like I think women's basketball just needs to work with each other everywhere. So if we can do that, like, yeah. yeah not like – Thanks, Lindy. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the snaps from Linda. Oh, <laughs> that's, right. that's the take-home message right there, Maya. You nailed it. Yeah, not like the rugby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've both mentioned a few times that it's you're only two rounds into the season and round three is about to start. Yes. Yep. Okay, so a couple of things in relation to this. I was looking at the schedule, and it looks to me like there's more, and maybe I'm, it's my memory playing tricks on me, but it seems like you've got more midweek games than there were last season. Is this like a scheduling thing that's arisen from facility availability or spread the load out across more days to be able to do the TV coverage? I have my theories, but Maya, I don't know if you've heard anything officially. You go ahead, London. It's definitely, that was the one thing that for me is um, probably the most different from last year's in terms of the scheduling. And to me, it's just, it's not as consistent, you know, and especially for someone like myself who tries to get around to as many of the games as I can, it's a little bit different. I would, I would imagine it's, it's a combination of, I think, just facility costs and then also TV coverage. Now there's also the factor of the United States and North Kahu again, because where the normal play event find out on the North Shore it was flooded in the January floods and the cyclone. So that is current. Their floor is currently being redone. So they had to hop around. And so what's nice for them is they're going to Franklin and South Oakland. They're going to go to Bangalore in a couple of weeks. So they're really representing the region. But with that comes the logistical, you know, logistics and stuff like that. So, but there are a lot of midweek games. I don't, again, it's, I looked at the schedule and at the venues and the only ones who have really shifted are the Queens who are now in Puerto Lua. Um, and I think that was purely a cost thing because where they were last year was at TSB in the central district, and that was bloody expensive. So I think it's probably a mix of the facilities availability and for the TV coverage. That's going to be my guess, but it's it certainly caused a maze when figuring out the planning. I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of other people are really curious about how the first two rounds gone. I've seen a couple of games. I haven't seen as many as I'd like. So... Overall, from your perspective, have you seen the first two rounds of the Tawihi League developing? All the games have been closed contests so far, which has been really cool. And like I said earlier, the Hoi Ho who were the bottom of the table last year, who didn't actually make it to the final four, sadly enough, our own team to miss out, are now um, hitting up like their number one on the leaderboard. And then obviously the Kahu who were the, probably the most dominant team for a majority of the season last year, who have a really impressive lineup, have lost a few and dropped a few, but that's likely because not their full roster has come in yet. I think that's something important to note as well. Most teams are still under strength, still waiting on imports to arrive or be healthy, or some girls are still coming from the end of the NBL1 season. But, yeah, we've seen a lot of like close contests so far. I don't think any game has been out of reach, really, for anyone. No, it's been... Crazy good, eh? Um, like you said, it's been close because I was watching the Fly and Pawakai game, and my goodness, they were trying the most back and forth. Like that was, you know, McKenna Dale, Kennedy Leonard, Lauren Hipple. I mean, you name it, they were firing off the threes. And so it's been great. I, you know, when we say the Rapid League has been going, you know, that goes by quick. I feel like I blinked and the first two rounds were over. Um, and maybe also part of that was the scheduling and you know, depending on the days that they play. It's like, wow, everything, you know, now we're done. But it's, it's been great. I will say the opening game, I think it was a little bit, not like the nerves were there, but I think for some of the players it definitely was. Um, so I don't think it was necessarily indicative of the performance. And like Maya said, uh, which is a great point, a lot of teams are under strength. So it makes me wonder what it's going to look like because if these are the teams under strength and we're seeing these tight of games, it's going to be crazy, you know, when everybody's back to where they intended to be. So it sounds to me like, if I distill that down, most teams are, are down on full strength. Games are close. So it sounds like it's going to be a pretty cracking season. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to be really good. And I think, I mean, it's, I haven't seen one roster that I haven't liked. <laughs> I think the teams 
you know, having been a season in, I think they have a feeling for kind of what they're looking for, you know, who's a good fit. Um, like I alluded to earlier, you know, the five have completely revamped. One of the coaches was saying they recruited to the style of play that they wanted, and it seemed like that's playing in their favor right now. But, you know, I think also what's been huge, too, is that some of the locals that we had mentioned earlier that weren't in the league last season, I think kind of like someone like, you know, Panina or Tegan, you know, they were off doing their separate things last season, but they got a chance to get just to watch and observe from afar what this league was. And it was cracking then too. And like, you know, people haven't started watching, start now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the innovation of the Rapid League has been really cool as well, especially because that's broadcast on Sky Sport with commentators. So it's treated the exact same. Toei, like, it's looking to be a really exciting season, despite complications around Rapid League and questions people have. Like, I think it's set itself up to be a really exciting season and it's gained a bit of traction so far, I'd say. Fundamentally, I think it's been great. Just if you look at it on the whole level, like you said, Miley, just I think the innovation has been a real highlight because, you know, it's they're getting that same treatment. And, you know, it's, it's just so fun. There's a lot of joy and you see people playing together, having played together for ages and but basketball is fun. But the women that I've talked to who are part of it, they said, you know, I'm having fun again. And you can see it. And that makes it fun for the fans, at least, you know, from my perspective. You mentioned something, Maya, that the, the calling the Rapid League games. Is it the same commentary team that's doing the main game? Or do yeah. they use a different commentary team? Uh, same commentators. They just stay on. They just stay on. Yeah. And the referees too. So the referees... <sighs> Um, oh, oh, stay oh, on oh, and just oh. get paid an uh, extra buck. Yeah, so I don't know how much they get paid, but I think there was a there was an idea to have rapid league referees that were younger, so like on the edge of being able to be uplifted into the Dohi League um, in each area. But I don't think every area had enough. Uh, okay. So I think wow. the referees just have to take one for the team and have a big night. <laughs> <laughs> Hard earned. <laughs> Okay, so they're working hard. So before we just we move off the Tauihi League, one question: It's only been two rounds, so not everybody's played everybody else. Out of the games that are out there to come, from each of you, which is the game that you are most looking forward to seeing? Now, I'm guessing Lyndon's really excited about one here. <laughs> oh no, this is my. I have a schedule up, and I you know, remember, I can't like I can't choose. Give me two seconds. <laughs> so I, over I can give you my answer because I've got one came straight to my head. So yeah. Lyndon, you ponder over there. Um, <laughs> over here. Spoken like a true South Islander, I am fizzing for the Hoi Hovis Pokai game coming on Thursday because it's their first time the two South Island teams are meeting. Yeah, so obviously that's always a super hyped game and since the Wuhu have been so successful this year and the Puakai are seeking their first win and the Puakai are now going to be almost at full strength Ooh. so it's going to be that's going to be a very exciting game and the Puakai first home game sold out so hopefully that can be repeated again on Thursday and yeah I'm <laughs> I'm kind of like <laughs> jumping in my seat even thinking about it <laughs> uh more sellout games this year that's what I'm hoping for for those who have not been in Cal's Cauldron and Christchurch, it gets loud. And they do an amazing job. Like, yeah, like bring your earbuds if you don't like loud noise is going to be up. And so I bet that, man, that's going to be an unforgettable atmosphere. So I guess. Lyndon, what's your choice? Oh, boy. The drum roll, the moment of truth. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking at I think it's going to be. It's going to be tight. I think. I think. If I said pick one of that, I'm, I'm quite interested with the pork guy. And the Fi, only because the Fi are really intriguing me this year. Um, again, to the McKenna. So I want to do a rematch of that game, to be honest. Me um, too, and I hope she doesn't hit eight threes against Puakai again. 32 points, baby. But yeah, I, I need to see that rematch just because that first game had me jumping out of my seat, so I'm not sure if that's cheating, but that's definitely the next matchup that I'm busying to see. All right, guys, so look, last thing that I want to talk about is the performance of New Zealand on the world stage. Right, obviously... FIBA Women's Asia Cup, fourth place, important for Olympic qualifiers, bronze at FIBA, under-16s. It's almost like New Zealand went through a really quiet stage and you're back with a vengeance in hoops world. So from the New Zealand standpoint, how has it all been received? I mean, it's going like it's, it gives a kind of a sense of pride because 
obviously we've struggled on the world stage for a while. And I think a big question in New Zealand basketball has been, what are we not doing that is making us perform so lacklustre on the world stage? And like, what are we missing? I know a lot of New Zealand basketball staff have kind of tried to see what other countries do in order to prepare their team so well for the world stage, even for the Asia Cup. Um, so to see a fourth place at the Asia Cup by the Tall Ferns and then a third place at the Under-16 Asia Cup, they beat China in a pool game, which I don't think I've ever seen that happen from a New Zealand team. Like, I literally do not remember. I don't think anybody did. I think we were no. all. <laughs> like, I remember seeing New Zealand playing China tonight, and I was like, oh, man, like that sucks for them. <laughs> and then I woke up, and we'd won that game by 20, and I just, like, I couldn't believe it because I have genuinely never seen a New Zealand team beat China before. So to see, like, us perform so well on the world stage is, like, so – it gives a sense of pride, but it also gives you, like, such a light for the future. And if this is what we've progressed – to now, like, imagine what we can progress to in the future. Yeah, I, I'm going to go off the back of that, Maya, because, holy crap, I mean, it was amazing to see them. Like, they've got, and I think, just the sense of equality and, you know, there is good development happening here in New Zealand and, you know, you don't expect to plan to see and eat the fruit in the same day, you know. I think now we're starting to see the talent really is starting to spark and the work is paying off because – well, you also mentioned the basketball without borders camp, the multiple athletes who have been sent around the world to go compete in that. And then obviously, you know, the under 16 cup and everything. So it's just been crazy. But I say mentioned like some of those players are also development players in Toehi. And so they're going to take that experience and bring it back. But man, just so much, it was just so cool to see and just buzzing for those girls on both those occasions to, you know, the place so high and, you know, and somebody actually had a conversation with somebody during the Asia Cup about, you know, just where's New Zealand rank in terms of the Asian countries. And I said, you know, don't let them fool you because it's a lot different. New Zealand plays a lot different. But like you said, Maya, you know, there are people on the ground here who are working tirelessly to go figure out, trying to crack the code, I guess, a little bit, so to speak, on, you know, what are these other countries doing and how can we use that to our advantage and you know, what do we have and what can we work on? You know, so when it does come time to show out internationally, they go out and do it, and then boom, that's 20 points on China. I thought it was an alternate dimension at first. I had to take myself to make sure I wasn't sleeping, <laughs> so I wasn't dreaming, but, you know, super happy for them. It's hard not to smile. Yeah. And you love, and the girls all are involved are amazing. So it's, um, yeah, just buzzing, and buzzing for the staff and Mel Bennett, so... Yeah, uh, and I'll say shout out to Mel Bennett too, who was leading that team in Jordan. So if you see her around with the fly, you know, make sure to give her some, give her a clap because she, uh, you know, she led that team. How much do you guys think last season's Toehi League has helped in the performances internationally, particularly at the Women's Asia Cup? I think it's definitely helped a lot. Obviously, whatever experience you can get in scrimmage and like, you know, the talent last year was in the quality was really good. So I think, you know, somebody that we've seen a lot becoming more of a household name is Crystal Ledger Walker. You know, Charlize, her sister is doing her thing over in the US, but you know, I think having Toehi and watching Crystal blossom there and apply her trading and go to WNBL, I mean I think that just put Toehi was the foundation there. So I think it's definitely helped and then having seen some of those players, you know, and then match up again in the Asia Cup. You know, some may not be on the same team in that situation, but you know, it's definitely been really good quality and still only, I think, helped improve the level of the game and the standard. I mean, I think there's always going to be development and improvement of Tulfrens players when they get the opportunity to play in a professional league against the imports as well. Like, obviously, the top New Zealand players will have the opportunity to match up and learn from the imports and obviously being challenged in that way and then developing themselves in a professional environment. I think that, like, definitely spikes some improvement. And then, obviously, like, Panina playing in the WNBL and then Charlize playing high-level college basketball. Like I think they all kind of had their catalyst in development that definitely boosted the talent of the Tulferens team. And not just the stars, but the role players as well. So you're like, Ezra McGoldrick had an awesome tournament as a role player. And that's kind of like so valuable, not dominant performance like Charlize or Panina, but that supporting cast can be of a higher quality as well. Point to interject too, and I know in the last live call we did, we with a lot of Australia based and talking about the elbows and as it should be. But one of the things I wanted to say on there, 
we talked about players who really stood out. And I think who he helped in that foundation was Ezra McGoldrick. Because Ezra started in that China game, which is a deep team. But she is, you know, she's really worked on her game and really improved over the years. And I think last year she got some good chances and she's definitely capitalized on that. And, you know, playing three at three in the off season here um, on the quest tour. And, you know, so she's taking and capitalizing on those opportunities. It really paid off. And, um, you know, she was making some really good plays against a really tough Chinese team. I mean, it's done leaps and bounds. Okay. Obviously guys, we want to check in again, sort of maybe around the midpoint of the Tawihi league, see how things are going see how things have developed, see how things are going with the Rapid League and how it's blending in with the the main game as well. Because I think there's going to be some really interesting developments in that one as we go forward, particularly given the way you guys have described the game. It it seems like it's going to, as the season goes on, it's going to push some teams in terms of how they rotate the roster around to be able to make both games, particularly given there's a point for the main competition on the table at every game. So, yeah, we'll do that. And, and obviously, again, you know, towards the end of the season, we'd like to do another one of these just to sort of as as we're getting down to that really pointy end to have a, have a good chat about how it's all gone. I do also want to, if I, if I can, Paul, just to give a – just for people to go and support and if nothing else, just people have an awareness of it. You know, just that they may have noticed on social media um, if they're following the teams, maybe the five Tawahi teams, but also the league. And still have seen um, a social media tile around the 17,680 nights of July and how Tawahi is partnering with the Women's Refuge here in New Zealand to provide support for women who need shelter and otherwise safety. So, I know a number of teams are getting involved, and in the Kahu, I think there's going to be several half-court shots or something like that at halftime to that effect, um, where they're going to be raising money. And I know Tokomano and Queens have been posting about it, and Bohoiho, um, so it's been a league-wide thing. But it's uh, certainly worth noting, you know, the league's getting behind, and that you know people are, you know, wanting to support. So um, good on them for doing that. Great. You know, it's important for people to know about this, particularly, you know, get to the games, support the teams as much as possible, particularly in a worthy cause like this. So, guys, thanks so much for your time. It's been great having you back on the show. Maya, we want to thank you because obviously it's been a little bit inclement, the weather in your neck of the woods, I believe. Yes, raining cats and dogs. (laughs) And so, you know... Obviously, thanks for being able to make it for this show. And, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to getting you back about midpoint so we can have a look and see how the Tawihi League is progressing. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. And any chance to talk about women's basketball was a good opportunity, so I'm always here to talk about it. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. Loving it. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.